Amen. Awesome. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for reading that psalm. I guess I just want to start by saying <laughs> I can't believe that I'm actually here again uh, preaching online. I remember the last time that I did it, and I guess also we're approaching the two-year more or less anniversary of the pandemic. And here we are again uh, in some sort of a lockdown, uh, still with many restrictions. And I remember how difficult it was uh, preaching online. It's almost like you're speaking and there's no atmosphere and there's no energy. Uh, so really, it's a really odd thing. And I remember on my last time I really struggled. And so I just want to say, you know, <laughs> encourage Dustin, Pastor Dustin in that, is that somehow like the past few weeks that he's been preaching, he has kept the energy level uh, at a really high level and he's spoken with so much energy and passion. So that's something that isn't easy. And so just to encourage Pastor Dustin whenever he checks this out uh, to say thank you for what you've been doing. So today we're going to be continuing in Mark. And right now, uh, where we are in Mark, last week we, we were hearing about uh, the blind man, Bartimaeus, right? And him ca calling out to Jesus and saying, have mercy on me, son of David. So we're going to be continuing our series in Mark. And right now, as you've been seeing in Mark so far, is that there's a lot of different encounters with Jesus and people are trying to understand and figure out who this Jesus is. Is he the Jesus that... Uh, they think he is, meaning is he the one that's simply going to free them from whatever struggles that they have currently going on right now in their lives, maybe personally or on a national level? Is he this conquering and reigning Messiah that's going to come and overthrow the Romans and start a revolt uh, and, and take the throne? Or is he Jesus, Son of God, God in flesh? but coming instead to serve and to not be served, where he's doing things in an upside-down kind of way. Maybe you've heard that phrase been said here before, but Jesus is literally showing us a different way to live, that there's this upside-down kingdom at work, and it doesn't make sense to the rest of the world. Why is that? So we're going to get a little bit into that today. And so now I'm going to start reading from Mark uh, 11, chapter 11, verses 1 to 11. So we'll read it first, and then we're going we're gonna to unpack it a bit. Actually, just before that, I want to pray again. Father, thank you um, that your word is true. Thank you that you speak to us today through your scriptures. God, we know that your word is the most important. So I just pray that everyone remembers your word, um, and that you would speak to everyone's heart, and that you would draw them near to you, and that they would respond and joyfully accept you. So reading from Mark 11. When they approached Jerusalem at Bethage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and told them, Go into the village ahead of you. As soon as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks you, if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here right away. So they went and found a colt outside in the street, tied by a door. They untied it, and some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? They answered them, just as Jesus had said, so they let them go. They brought the donkey to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their clothes on the road, others spread leafy branches cut from the fields. 
Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And then in verse 11, um, this is kind of a really abrupt change. It's almost anticlimactic. But he went into, to Jerusalem, into the temple. After looking around at everything, since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So, we just read 11 verses, and maybe initially nothing actually stood out there. I know when I was preparing this week, uh, when I knew that I was going to be preaching this passage, I would read through it, and I would say, hmm, that is a very nice descriptive text, but I don't really understand what's going on. Why is Jesus coming down? Why does he want a donkey? Um, how did he know that the donkey was there? What is the significance of it never being ridden before? Why are people happy? What are they celebrating? Why are they throwing stuff on the road? So in, in terms of even when we're looking at this as Christians, maybe sometimes we always want to look for simply the spiritual application. And so maybe there's certain you know parts of the Bible which will talk more about maybe spiritual disciplines, um, more about Christian living, and you see that in, in a lot of the letters uh, in, in the New Testament. But when you get to something like this, because at Reach we're committed to going through the Bible uh, verse by verse or section by section, then we have to do a bit more digging here to, to understand, and I hope at that point there will be application for our lives. So as I was sitting and wrestling, the first thing that came to mind when I was continually, continually trying to chew on this passage is that when I was going to bed one night and my head hit the pillow, I became overwhelmed with this idea of joy. That imagining myself at the scene and seeing Jesus coming down on a donkey and people having this uproar about him. They're taking their clothes, things of value, and they're just throwing it in the street. They're taking branches and leaves, and they're making a way so that the donkey and Jesus doesn't have to walk down um, this, this dirty path. And I thought to myself, what a scene that is. The crowd is crying, Hosanna. And, 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 and Ben read from Psalm 118, uh, today, the crowd is crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David, Hosanna in the highest heaven. And so a little bit more on that too. What exactly does Hosanna mean? Well, it means to save us and save us now and come save us. There's even a, a bit of desperation to it. If you saw in the previous chapter, when you, when you heard uh, Bartimaeus calling out to Jesus, Certainly, he's crying out in desperation and saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So in the same way, this crowd here is witnessing Jesus coming down. And they're crying out to him in desperation and saying, come, save me. Save me now. Save us. We need you. And I thought in a way for, for right now as where we are as believers of what a scene that is to, to be witnessing our Lord coming and in that respect as well, imagine when Jesus comes back. And so if this is something foreign to you right now, I pray that you experience the joy of God, 
that you would in, have an encounter with Jesus. And so that when these things come to mind, that you can't help but smile and imagine the joy and the, pre- and the joy of being in the presence of the Lord. And sometimes when we read a passage, even like this, or many other stories in the Bible, we might just kind of gloss over it and say, oh, that's a great story. Um, I don't really know what it means. And I don't understand culturally what's going on. And so maybe sometimes when in the witness of even a miracle or something spectacular like this, we would say, if only I was there and able to witness it, then if only I was there, then I would have been the one to maybe take my clothes or something or whatever I have of value and put it at the Lord's feet. But I have good news today as well, is that Jesus is alive and active today. And even for us today as his church and as Christians and his people, we get to be a part of God's journey, of God's journey, continually journey of progress, of saving this world and saving us. That we get to continually be a part of the mission of Jesus. And so I want to ask you today as well, what do you have that you can lay down at Jesus's feet in joy? What do you have right now in your life that you can give generously and abundantly for the sake of the kingdom? Because this is a joy that never has an end. Jesus is bringing his people, Jesus is bringing his disciples into a kingdom of everlasting joy into his presence. And even today, Jesus is alive. And so we get to also take a part in that joy. So I want to invite you, church, that as you reflect this week, and when you think of your life, that you think of enjoying Jesus' presence, that you think of an everlasting joy that's coming, and that when Jesus calls you um, to do something, or when Jesus calls you um to be together with your brothers and sisters in community, that you understand that this isn't something insignificant, that Jesus's ways are truly better. And he comes to show us a way, ways that are so different to what everyone else thinks would be the best thing. So not only is Jesus right, is following Jesus right, not only does he command us uh, to do good things, but his ways are also the best. You know, sometimes even in life, we can have misplaced joy um, that that even this crowd, they want someone to desperately save them from the current conditions right now. You know, they would have wanted someone to come and to overthrow the Roman rule and to have their war kind of born um, power um, conquering Messiah coming down instead of with a donkey coming down with a war horse and saying, look at what I have. But all the power is in Jesus's hands and and because he is truly the king of the world. But here he comes on a donkey bearing a message of peace. That's significant. And so even in that, that sometimes when you read through the Gospels and you see even some of the partial confessions of some of the disciples, is that in this journey, they're learning more and more and more about Jesus and that they don't fully understand what's going on and what's at stake. But as you see throughout the story, they continue to grow in their knowledge. And so for you right now, 
Maybe Jesus is someone that you've never thought about. Or maybe Jesus is someone that you are following and you do come to church on a weekly basis. But then when it comes to the personal aspect of your life or what that changes and impacts, it seems like it's nothing. But I want to remind you that it's the object of your faith that makes you whole. It's not necessarily the amount of belief that you have in whatever object it is. Jesus is strong. Jesus is the true savior and the true king. And even if we don't understand his ways, we're reminded constantly in scripture that he is working things out for the good of those who belong to Christ Jesus, for those who love him. This crowd would have been anticipating Jesus to come and also to take his throne in Jerusalem and overthrow the Romans. And so they're crying for a savior and Jesus is saving them just not in the way that they thought it would be. Jesus is on a much greater mission. He's saving us from the sin and the chaos within so that we can go out and live as his people and be a part of the redemption of the world. Because a lot of the times in life, even when we go through trials and tribulations, the last thing sometimes that we think want to reflect on is ourselves. We're used to maybe pointing the finger or blaming certain things and saying, well, I do this because this happened, or I said that because they said this to me. But Jesus is coming and his focus on saving us is even saving us from ourselves, saving us from the sin that is decaying and destroying our hearts. And that's significant. So I want to remind you today, too, that even if you feel like you know Jesus and you want to know Jesus more, but you don't fully understand him, don't worry. God is king of the, of the universe, king of the world. Everything that he does has purpose. And he is going to grow you. He is going to shape you. He is going to mold you. And as life goes on and as time goes on, you're going to continue to see and taste and, and really feel how good Jesus is. So I also want to talk a little bit more about almost this, this contrast that's going on here. You know, a lot of times in scripture, if we go back, I know I'm going back a little bit, but if you go back even to Mark chapter 10, there's this, there's this contrast of the rich young ruler Right, who goes up and approaches Jesus and saying, Lord, what must I do to have eternal life? Right? And we know the conversation about, you know, you, you know, you need to, you know, honor your mother and your father, you need to do these things. And he says that he's kept them since a child. But at the same time, Jesus challenges him and says, There's one thing that you lack. And because of all the stuff he has, he goes away sad. The amazing part even within that is that the scriptures say that Jesus loved him. Like he looked at him and he loved him. That he had this deep rooted, once again, emotional and just even that compassion. Something uh, that, that, that when he sees this man and sees what he's missed out in Jesus, that he wishes that he would turn to him. And then on the other hand, we have Bartimaeus, right? A blind man. A beggar, someone who has literally nothing. There isn't really anything in that time that he can contribute to. He's just crying out in desperation. He has nothing. And Jesus listens to his cry. He gives him sight. 
but he also heals him. He heals him physically and spiritually. And then he leaves in that moment with everything. So we always have these different contrasts. So Jesus here, he's coming down to Jerusalem and he's riding on a donkey. What's the significance of the donkey? Okay, I'm going to turn to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. The other passages in scripture, um, the other gospels, they mention this. In, in, in Mark, um, we don't get this uh, exact quotation, but if you look at the other gospels, you'll see it. And so I'll read Zechariah chapter 9. Rejoice, verse 9, chapter 9, verse 9. There you go, 9-9. Nine, nine. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And I'll just read a little bit more. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The bow of war will be removed and he will proclaim peace to the nations. His dominion will extend from sea to sea, from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. But once again, look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey. And even at that, um, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that a little bit later, but, but the precision in which Jesus is fulfilling these prophecies is absolute craziness, really. Um, that there's even another part, and I don't, I don't have this here. Uh, maybe I can pull it up actually, but it's in, in, in Deuteronomy where there's this idea of using an animal um, for of devoted to a single task. Um, like, um, in, so you're, you're not just simply for ordinary use, but for sacred use. And this was a coal or sorry, a foal, <laughs> a donkey that had never been ridden before. So Jesus knows the prophecy. Jesus is fulfilling it and he's fulfilling it to the full extent. Um, and he's even going above what's written in Zechariah, which is amazing. You know, one thing that even I was reading um, this week is is a commentary about how, uh, basically, how, like, what are the odds that that that's even someone random or whatever Jesus or or someone could fulfill all of the Old Testament prophecies about him? Like, what are the chances of that? So, because you know, math people and some scientists are nerds, I guess they were working on the probability of what that can be. And I don't have the number because the number wouldn't even make sense. Like if I said it, probably would bat an eye and just say, what does that even sound like? But it's almost like um, the, the, <laughs> the mathematician came up with that if you put like, I don't know, uh, if, if, a, if, a, if a coin, okay, like a dollar coin, whatever, covered uh, the entire state of Texas, uh, what are the odds of you landing on um, the right one, the right coin that has a marking on it. Um, it would be almost, it would be insane, like basically impossible. So like with Jesus, we don't just get someone who is, um, you know, where, you know, we have this story and we have this almost like this, this weak um, demonstration of who Jesus is that, you know, when we get to the end of the Bible, we get through the gospels that we don't really know who Jesus is, but no, this is Jesus um god of god right um light from light like this is jesus son of god um part of the triune god the creator of 
everything, the creator of you and I, the creator of the universe, um, that he was there eternally. Um, this is the God coming into, into earth and fulfilling those prophecy, prophecies with precision. This isn't, we don't get the story of some what if maybe prophet or someone who only maybe fulfilled half of them. And here we are left with trying to decide with what do we do with this person? Um, no, this is Jesus who knows and who orchestrates and who's complete control of history and everything. Like, have you been reading this in Mark 11 verse one? Like there is, there is a donkey that is specifically there for this specific task. And we don't know per se if Jesus went ahead and arranged this with this person um, to borrow this donkey. Um, you know, some commentaries are saying we don't know, but honestly, even at that, there's it is not out of the realm of God simply speaking to these people beforehand and simply knowing in his sovereignty and in his absolute control of all the circumstances, knowing where this donkey was going to be, and even that these people would be willing to share it with him, which is amazing. And you think of all of the prophecy that Jesus fulfills. A lot of the times when you see in scripture, and you see sometimes even in his disciples, you see Peter almost becoming defensive into saying, we'll never let you basically hand yourself over. Like that'll never happen. And then Jesus rebukes him. Is that Jesus isn't the victim in this cosmic story. Jesus is willingly and controllingly laying down his life to save us and for others. So, so even then, when you think of later on, if we're going to fast forward a bit to Pontius Pilate, right? When there's even that trial going on and, and, and the crowd is watching, expecting, because thinking that Pontius Pilate has the power to either let him go or free him, let him go or, or have him crucified. Jesus is fully in control in that moment. And that is amazing is that this is his will being done. So on that note, I just want to encourage you as well that that right now in your life, if there's things going on that you don't understand what is happening, I know that life can be hard sometimes, and I know there's many challenges that we face. And 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 so so many times even then we go through a lot of trials. I just want to remind you that God is in control of everything. And I want to remind you that he is good. And even then, he doesn't delight in our sufferings. That God is is there, and 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 if we take His word at heart, and we know we that we can, that God is going to work things out for us. And just even to share like a personal story, because this does happen um, a lot um, in our lives. Uh, so I, I right now I'm, I'm I'm in this new room. Um, thankful to God that uh, I, I have this place, I have this condo. There, there was this process of this journey, um, and it was almost like an emotional roller coaster of not understanding what's going on. Uh, I was, you know, you know, my wife and I, Angelique and I, we were doing our best to try to see what we could do 
uh, in today's market and what we can have. We have some goals, we have some plans. And even then um, there was, you know, we wanted to uh, change from the neighborhood that we were current, we were living in before. And so we're continually coming to God and praying and asking. And sometimes it was disappointing. There's even to the point where like, you know, we're constantly praying and we're trying to see where does this lead? Um, surely God is able to do anything. And th there was even this point where there was a friend, um, a friend of my mom's who had this home and almost wanted to, we'll say more or less give it to us and not for market value. And so within that, we're getting excited, but then we also don't want to get too excited uh, because we didn't know, completely know what to expect. So we met with this person. We had several conversations. We spoke about this. He wanted to get to know us better. And even then to know what could we offer him that was uh, an agreeable amount to him. So we went through the whole process, retweaking things, speaking to so many financial, uh, we'll say advisors and mortgage brokers and all these things to try to squeeze out the most that we can get. And ultimately, when we showed it to him, it just didn't work out. We came up short. And so obviously we were disappointed, but we were just wondering, like, what was the point of all that? Like, truly, what was the point of going through all those experiences and witnessing all of the ups and downs? But almost in a miraculous way, a place that we had put an offer in like month, um, over a month ago, um, we randomly got a call, call back because the offer fell through. But the crazy thing is, is because of God's timing and how we went through that roller coaster and even those disappointments and ups and downs of preparing yourself for a place that we never actually got and having constant conversations, we actually were able to manage uh, what we had in a way that can put us, um, that would allow us to make a stronger offer uh, for the callback that we had got. So somehow within all of that, it was within like a span of 24 hours. It was ridiculous from like super disappointment to super joy is that we didn't understand what was going on. And even the task in front of us, we thought it was pointless, but God had actually prepared us and actually brought us through that trial and brought us through that trial so that we can stand prepared so that when that callback came and it was a matter of, of hours, honestly, like, or days, like 24 hour periods, we'll say that. And we got that call back and we were ready and we had everything that we needed to discuss and pursue and make a final offer for the place that I'm currently in right now. So in that note, I just want to encourage, encourage us church and encourage you to say that right now, if there's a moment in your life where you don't think that you're almost confused about what it means to follow Jesus. So you're almost confused about certain things in your life. If you are willing to, to approach God and allow him to speak to your heart, allow him to redeem whatever it is that you're going through right now, and you'll see that he is in control. And, and, if, and if you would would submit to him right even as the people were were doing in the story and taking what you have and putting it at his feet you will see that he is a good god and he is caring for you and that he will be your provider so i just want to remind you currently right now whatever season or struggle that you're going through this is not the end of the story that jesus is king of all and he showed us a different way of even of living and that he is going to care for you. And, uh, and the last thing that I just want to do in unpacking this, this passage 
is just to really to, to have us think about how wonderful God is. And even at that, there's sometimes in our lives, there's things that go on for us. And we, once again, we don't understand what's happening. And we go through trials and they're disappointing. Or maybe, you know, we, you know, we're looking for a job and we don't get the job that we thought we should have got. Or we don't get the promotion that we think we should have got. And instead, we're in a completely different, um, almost like scenario. Church, like, do you believe that God is working through you in that moment? And that even then, whatever goes on in this world will not get the final say. We know how the story goes. Jesus willingly gives him li- his gives gives his life. But and instead of it being like he's dead, it's the end of the story. Jesus is vindication is there that he rises from the dead um, and that he um, promises to continue to restore and work through us and to usher in his kingdom. There's something amazing there. And here is Jesus. This is the God we serve. Like lately I've been kind of even recognizing all the different points where Jesus even like weeps or cries. Um, And that, and, and what I love even about the previous passage in, in chapter 10, when we look at this, is that Jesus, you know, when he looks uh, even at, at the rich young ruler, right, is that Jesus says he, he loved him. And then right now, in this passage, if we look to Luke, we'll see that when he reaches Jerusalem, he actually looks at Jerusalem and cries and cries out. If you want to look at this, this, uh, the same triumphal entry, if you look at it in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus cries because he looks at Jerusalem and he knows the suffering that awaits her. And he wishes, he wishes that they instead would be focused on the hope and the joy and the saving grace that is right in front of them. But they miss it. See, God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all of us to come to the knowledge and the saving grace (laughs) that he has prepared for us. He wants all of us to come to the knowledge of him and to be saved. Because once again, his ways aren't just good. Yes, they're good, certainly. In the contrast of, of all of the chaos and corruption in the world, certainly he is good without fault as straight as as straight as an arrow but his ways are also better and so jesus is looking at jerusalem and he's crying he's weeping he's weeping because of what they're missing out on and what they will now have to go and experience apart from him And he knows that it was avoidable if only they had received his message. If only they would have listened to him. So, church, I just want to encourage you as well that right now, Jesus' ways are better than anything that you can have in life. And that he doesn't stand from afar looking at you in this, like, disappointing look. A demanding God, demanding Father, 
that he's not just looking around for people to punish and be like, I love this. <laughs> this is the type of God I am. I love to punish these people. But Jesus is looking upon Jerusalem and he's crying and he's weeping for what they miss in him. Because think about it anyways. Who doesn't want to be in the presence of Jesus? Why would you Why would you want something of temporary value in your life? You think of maybe some of the things that give you the greatest joy in your life right now. Those things will pass away. But in Jesus, we have this everlasting joy and this joy that continues to grow through life. And then that goes on for eternity. Can you think of just, can you imagine what heaven would even be like? Where we would get to eat at God's table? Like, is there anything better than that? Like, even now we think of food and, and, and dinners that we eat and time spent with friends. And we think, what a great, what a great experience this is. But imagine that, right? But so much better. And in the presence and at the table of God. And so, lastly, we're just reminded of this contrast. So Jesus came, he came, he came mounted on a donkey. And that was a symbol of peace. And, and what people probably would have wanted in that moment is someone coming with an army. Someone coming with swords and shields and helmets and spears on a war horse to come and to overthrow the Romans. But instead we have Jesus on this donkey coming from the east. But the contrast here is that actually coming from the west, we don't see this right here in this text. Um, but as I was digging through some commentaries and whatnot, the reminder of that, what was currently at stake, Pontius Pilate, we don't know the date, but it would have been sometime that week. So that was uh, Passion Week. That was uh, this Mark. So from Mark chapter 11 to chapter 16, this is the last uh, third of Mark. And this is the, this, these last chapters are completely devoted to the last um, seven or eight days of Jesus's life. Uh, this is like the last week of Jesus's life. And so there's so much, there's so much going on here. And, and think of even the, the national tension there. There, the, the, there's people coming all over to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, which is them celebrating how God had, uh, delivered them from slavery, had delivered them from captivity and delivered them from their enemies. Yet they're in the midst of celebrating that while themselves being captive to the Romans. Imagine some of the tension there. Imagine even the greatest national holiday that we have, whatever, in, you know, for us, Canada Day, or <laughs> I know the Americans are a lot more passionate about that. So whatever, Independence Day, 4th of July. And imagine having 4th of July, knowing that that is the date of your independence and your freedom, but instead being captive, being held captive, or enslaved by another nation. Imagine the, t the political even tension there. It's almost like it's like something's going to happen. Like trouble is certainly bound to be there. And so what you have is Pontius Pilate coming from the west, um, from Caesarea, coming from the west uh, to 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 really to show his force that he was there during Passion Week to make sure that everything is okay and to really show and and and, and demonstrate the power. And the authority of Rome. So he would have come in marching on a war horse with helmets, 
uh, swords, spears, um, all kinds of loud, banging metal, um, war horses. Probably, it, as the Romans continually do, is is they would intimidate you, right? Even w- with the crucifixion, it's to say this is what happens when you oppose uh, the Roman Empire. And 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 think of the fear that they would have been putting into people. And that that really is how the world operates, right? When we think that we need to have, when we have power or we think that we should have power, that we we force everyone to follow us. Like even think think of maybe the, the greatest world leader today or um, anytime, like if, if the president uh, or the prime minister were to come down your street, think of, or the queen, think of the queen. Imagine the amount of security and just... Uh, almost like fine celebration the amount of people gathering around and maybe even the the extraness of the spectacle of this of even the celebration but think of even all of the 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 armed um muscle that would be there to say this is the power that i have and i'm and i'm holding on to it jesus is so different jesus has all the power he doesn't need to pretend like everyone else's kingdom will end Whatever power they think that they have, it will be taken from them. But Jesus stands supreme and he has all of the power and he comes bearing a message of peace. What amazing God that we serve. What an amazing God that we serve. And so, once again, we have those contrasts of of even Jesus in the story. And Pontius Pilate, Jesus, and the religious leaders. And so I just even want to remind you that Jesus is better. And lastly, just to encourage you this week, is that many times we are left with choices. There's lots of choices when you look through um, when you look through the Bible uh, that, that even the people are trying to figure out who Jesus is. And and it's difficult. It's difficult. Like there's some who, like the rich young ruler, will hear his message and almost will want to follow him, but don't. And then there's people like Bartimaeus who desperately need Jesus and know that, and they follow him. thing is, is that we all actually desperately need Jesus. So I pray that Jesus would even reveal that to you. Um, but he is good. And there isn't anyone else in this world Um, who isn't more worthy and more um, capable of taking everything that we have and putting it on him. So I just want to remind you this week that whatever you're going through, I know right now, uh, currently even in the pandemic, it's really difficult. Sometimes we're having trouble focusing and and it's so easy uh, for me after work to just maybe even want to watch the Habs lose, right? Um, this year I'm doing fantasy hockey. My friends got me into it. <laughs> so the, to after work, just late at night to be watching hockey and making roster moves for my fantasy hockey team doesn't really do anything for me. But in Or instead, what we can do is constantly um, be, be trying to draw close to Jesus in this time and instead... And, and, and the temptation, once again, it, for us in this 
over-saturated entertainment even world that we currently live in is to just go week by week and day by day by not even having any sort of encounters with Jesus and not by and not living out the Christian faith. And so I just want to say that this week, even keeping in mind when you're going about your daily tasks and your daily responsibilities to, to, to even at that point, choose life, right? Like choose Jesus instead of all those other things and pray and ask him, ask him for help. You know, I'm also reading a book right now and it's, um, it's called Habits of Grace by Dave Mathis. And it goes through once again, talking about the spiritual disciplines and how, you know, sometimes even as Christians that we, we certainly, we struggle with that. And, and, and if God feels far, I just want to say that the, the reason why it's called habits of grace, and I really like that, is that it's understanding that Jesus is better than anything else that we can even experience in this world. So what am I going to get by just watching the Montreal Canadiens lose every single night, as opposed to taking part in the spiritual discipline of reading scripture and praying and having community with one another and serving one another? is that it's called a habit of grace because it's a way that we get to be charged and, and, and fulfilled and be filled with the spirit of Jesus. And so when you, when, you, when you understand it and even see it as something that fulfills you, that, that you taking part in this and saying no to something else, that that is also for your betterment. That's not Jesus trying to just drop a anvil of weight or a plate of weight on you and saying, go and fail, but he's giving these things. He's giving us community and church family and prayer and praise and worship and, and all of these things so that he can work through us and lift us up. This is for our good. And so that's why it's, it's this habit of grace because it it's, it's, it's a way that we can get recharged. And if you see that maybe just a bit differently, then you understand that the fact that we have prayer, that we have um, the Bible, right? That we have scripture, that we have church community, that we have praise, that we have, we have worship, um, that we have city group, that we have DNA group, that these are things that are actually there um, as, as grace to help us ex- continually experience God. And so that we can go through our daily life, not alone, but instead filled with the spirit. So this isn't something to say, I'm nailing it. Look how much I've done. This isn't some um, super uh, harsh demand being put on you, but instead it's something to just encourage you. It's something to fill you up. And and it, for anything that God would give us, that he would generously give us, what an amazing thing that is. So to that end, <laughs> I just want to pray for us. Father, thank you for uh, today. Thank you that you are king. We know that even in, in, in the world, that so many times people think leaders uh, are there um, to show brute force. And that even when we think of, of, of leading and, and, and being the greatest, that it's, it's being the best in ability. But God, you show us that the greatest, you are the greatest, yet you came to serve and not even to be served. You came to Jerusalem to save people from their sin and to save the world. 
and you came riding on a donkey, the symbol of peace. Jesus, you are our peace. And we look to you for everything. God, if we haven't experienced that, I pray that you would just grip our hearts this week and today, and that you would fill us with this everlasting peace. God, that we would have this everlasting joy of shouting out to you, Hosanna, and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus, we thank you for today, and we give thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.